prayer. We've all heard of it, but do we really know what it is? Is it just talking to God? Is there a right and wrong way to pray? Are all prayers the same? We'll touch on these questions and more in this series entitled Prayer. Let's jump in. Again, I'm very glad to see everyone. I also um, would like to welcome all of our visitors on Periscope. And tonight, we're going to begin a study entitled Prayer Series. Now, for some of you, some of this information may be somewhat familiar, because I did something very similar to this with our, uh, another Bible study that we have. However, the administrator asked me to do this, so therefore, this is why we're doing it. So what I would like for you to do is just kind of sit back, get comfortable, and get ready for the word. Now, throughout this study, we're going to cover many aspects on the subject of prayer. As always, we're going to push the envelope to try to enrich our understanding on the subject matter. Now, you can look forward to the Holy Spirit having his way and directing us along our journey into a greater appreciation of prayer. To make sure that we're on the same page, as always, I try to define what it is we're talking about. So to determine the definition of prayer, according to dictionary.com, it is, in fact, a noun. And it means, number one, a devout petition to God or an object of worship. Number two, a spiritual communion with God or, again, an object of worship as in supplication, thanksgiving, adoration, or confession. The act of or practice of praying to God as an object of worship. Number four, a formula or sequence of words used in or appointed for praying. An example that many people know of is the Lord's Prayer. Now, we're going to cover that later, but it's an example of a prayer. Number five, prayers, plural, a religious observance, either public or private, consisting wholly or mainly of prayer. Number six, that which is prayed for. Number seven, a petition, entreaty, earnest request, or petition. Now, we're familiar with all of these definitions one way or another. Wouldn't you agree with that? Okay. Well, simply put, I would like to say, and I think we can agree, that prayer is a communication with God. More often than not, it's really a request or petition to God. And that's what most people are familiar with. They are familiar with praying to God, asking for things. So that's like the prayer that everybody pretty much knows about. Even people who aren't believers know about petition prayer to go and ask God for something. Well, the purpose of this study is to strengthen our relationship with God as we become more aware of the importance of prayer. Now, personally, my prayer for each one of you, is based upon Ephesians, the first chapter. So turn with me there to Ephesians 1, and we're going to look at verses 17 and 18. Let me know when you have it by just saying that you're there. Now, of course, you're going to have whatever translation you have. Most of you have the New King James Version, but for the essence of time, you can follow along with me there. But I am going to read it to you out of the Amplified because I truly agree with Paul, and this is really my prayer for everybody who is going to be a part of this study. 
And starting with verse 17, you do have it, yes? Okay. Starting with verse 17 out of the Amplified Translation, it says, I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of him. For we know the Father through the Son. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being, may be enlightened, flooded with light by the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. Now, as I mentioned before, the Holy Spirit is going to guide us through this subject, and I expect that it's going to be comprehensive, and it's not going to necessarily be a very quick moving or quick lesson. Now, even though we're all excellent students of the word, praise God, because we're all part of Apostle <laughs> Frederick Case, he's Price, ministry, teaching ministry, so we've had some rich word here, so we're excellent students, our goal still has to remain to be the best that we can be. Wouldn't you agree with that? Okay. And that is, in fact, a process, so it, you know, it takes us doing some things. So it would be a good idea, if you haven't done so already, and many of you already have, I see that, to get um, either some paper or bring a notebook with you moving forward so that you can write down some things, because there are definitely going to be some things that I think you're going to want to write down. And for those of you on Periscope, I encourage you to do the very same thing. Now, hopefully, you already know that one of the keys to success in about every area of your life is effective prayer. Prayer, when you think about it, is our foundation. I mean, if we really stop and think about it, if you are born again and you're here tonight, you did it based upon what? Prayer. Prayer of Romans 10, 9, and 10. Now, everybody knows Romans 10, 9, and 10 out of the New King James Version or the King James Version. Praise the Lord. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified. And it says, because if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, authority, and majesty as God, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes in Christ as Savior, resulting in his justification, that is, being made righteous, being freed of the guilt of sin, and made acceptable to God. And with the mouth he acknowledges and confesses his faith openly, resulting in and confirming his salvation. So obviously, all of us that are born again, we had to do that. We had to believe in our heart, and we had to confess with our mouth. And that was a prayer, a form of prayer. And that is how we were born again. Praise God. Now, the second part, well, well, no, let me back up, because I don't want to rush. Turn with me to this. This is one of my favorite scriptures, so I always kind of go to it, which is 1 Peter 2.9. And I like this, because this is what happened when we were born again. Um, so I always kind of put it in there, because I love this scripture. <laughs> 1 Peter 2.9, um, you know it in the New King James Version as, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I happen to really, really like it. 
out of the Message Bible because it says, but you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the day and night difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. That, to me, I mean, I just always really, really like that because maybe none of you have ever known what it's like to feel like you're rejected, but to know that you've been accepted by the Most High God. Well, that's what happened and all started when we prayed. Now, the second part of what you needed to do, and hopefully all of you have done it, if not, you'll have the opportunity to do it tonight, is to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking with other tongues. Turn with me to Luke's Gospel, the 11th chapter, and we're going to quickly read verses 9 through 13, and I'm going to read it to you again, for the essence of time, out of the Message Bible. So it's Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. Let me know when you're there. Okay, great. So starting with verse 9, out of the message it says, here's what I'm saying. Ask and you'll get. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will open. Don't bargain with God. Be direct. Ask for what you need. This is not a cat and mouse hide and seek game we're in. If your little boy asks for a serving of fish, do you scare him with a live snake on his plate? If your little girl asks for an egg, do you trick her with a spider? As bad as you are, you wouldn't think of such a thing. You're at least decent to your own children. And don't you think the father who conceived you in love will give the Holy Spirit when you ask him? With that being said, obviously as Christians, prayer is a tremendous part of our foundation and serves as a reminder of its importance in our every endeavor, if we want to be fruitful, successful believers. Now, one of the major reasons that Christians fail in the things they set out you know, with their hands to do is because of lack or just plain omission of prayer. I mean, a lot of times what many Christians do, and I have been guilty of it too, is you start doing something, then you go pray. It's kind of like pulling the cart. What is it, pulling the cart before the horse? Yeah. In other words, you go do something, and then you ask the Lord to bless it, okay? And then when it ends up in a mess, you're trying to figure out why. Well, you did it opposite of what you should have done. You should have gone and communicated with him. So we've already established that prayer is our communication with God. It is less than smart, <laughs> to move forward in any endeavor without communicating with the one who created the entire universe, the one who created us and enables us to draw our very next breath. Let's look at Acts, the 17th chapter, and we're going to look at verses 28 through 29. Acts 17, verses 28 through 29. Now, if we look at it in the New King James Version, it says, For in him we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Therefore, since we are the offspring of God, we ought not, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something shaped by art and man's devising. Now, what's really good about that? 
I'm going to read it to you out of the message, and this explains exactly why I give different translations. Because this is nice, it's short, and it's to the point, but to be very frank, you can read this and pass right on over it and not get the essence of what they're really saying. Part of what this is saying is that often what poets have done in the past when they're explaining God, and many religions that we know, and this is not a knock on any religion, but what many religions do is they put up like statues of God and you know, like sometimes you'll see people who will have statues of Jesus and they pray to these statues and it's almost as if they feel like there's something special contained in these statues and if they're really, really into it, they'll go and have stuff made out of gold and all the rest of that. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> That's not what we have to do. But looking at this out of the message, it says, the God who made the world and everything in it, this master of sky and land doesn't live in custom-made shrines or need the human race to run errands for him, as if he couldn't take care of himself. He makes the creatures. The creatures don't make him. Starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable with plenty of time and space for living so we could seek after God and not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote, he's near. We live and move in him. Can't get away from him. One of our poets said it well. We're the God created. Well, if we are the God created, it doesn't make a lot of sense to think we could hire a sculptor to chisel a God out of stone for us, does it? Okay, so to me, again, that's why I happen to like different translations. So we as believers who have had the opportunity to be taught the word of God, we know that we have a distinct privilege because we can speak directly to the Most High God. And it's important, though, that we become very strategic in our prayer life. That's something that oftentimes we don't think about. Um, one of the things that I shared in the other class is that we know that we can communicate with God openly and freely, the same way we can communicate with each other and, and talk with each other and chat with each other. You can do that with God 24 7, 365. He created you to have fellowship with Him. So He wants you to do that. However, prayer is something that is a specific tool, it's not to be confused with fellowship. You can fellowship and chat with God. You can go all through Macy's and talk about the sales and what's going on. I mean, seriously, and what's going on and what you were thinking about getting and what you might have in mind that you want to get for Christmas, just like you would your best girlfriend or, you know, friend of God, whatever. You can do that. But when it comes to prayer, you need to plan that. You need to use it as a tool that it is created to be used for and know how to use it so that you can guarantee you're going to have your answer the way you expect it. And that's why we're doing this tonight. So with all of that being said, uh, we need to know that there are different types of prayer. Okay? It is critical to understand the difference in order to get results. So let me be clear. God wants us, he wants to answer every prayer. He wants to. I mean, he literally has a desire to answer and say yes to you for everything. Turn with me to Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and we're going to look at verse 16. Hebrews 4, 16. And let me know when you're there. You there? Okay. 
Out of the New King James Version, okay, let's read it together. Ready? Read. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So that's letting us know we need to go to him, right? Okay, the Amplified says it like this. Therefore, let us with privilege, again, he's pointing out, we as believers have a privilege, approach the throne of grace, that is, the throne of God's gracious favor, with confidence and without fear. So that means we're supposed to run boldly but have confidence. We don't have to be concerned that, oh, maybe he's not hearing us or all the rest of that. So that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need, an appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. That is what he's instructed us to do. And the Amplified to me explains it really, really, really well. So we know that we're supposed to run boldly to the throne of grace, rather, excuse me. We can just be more effective if we use our tool of prayer properly. I'll give you this analogy. Say, for instance, Christmas is coming up. We're all, you know, planning on getting a little something for somebody. Okay. So say you go to whatever your favorite store is. I'm not, I have to stop plugging Macy's because I'm not getting anything back from that. So let's pick, I don't know, Neiman Marcus. That's another really nice store. I like their perfume. Okay, so say we're going to go to Neiman Marcus. And we go in and we make our selection. We're so excited. We get this perfect gift to somebody. We just, oh, we just know this is perfect. And we go up to the counter and we're prepared to pay for it because they still make you do that. They don't let you just walk out the store. Okay, so you go up to pay for it. Now, we live where? In the United States of America. But now I go up to pay for it, but I had some money left over from when I went to Barbados. So I pull out my Bayesian currency to pay for it. And they're just as nice and sweet, and they look at me, and they're like, okay, that's nice that you want to do this, but we're not letting you walk out with this gift. You have to have U.S. currency. So in other words, I have currency, but if it's not the right type of currency, it's not going to help me in this situation. Do you see what I'm saying? So even though you are praying and it's a tool, like that currency is a tool, if you want to walk out with your answer, like I wanted to walk out with that gift, you've got to use the right type of prayer. Otherwise, it's, it's fruitless. Okay? So that's exactly what I'm talking about here. So now... We've learned from Apostle Price, and this has been confirmed in the word of God, that there are six different types of prayer. So this is where your notes are going to come in handy, okay? So Periscope, get ready. This is time for note-taking. So now I'm going to start laying a foundation for what this whole series is going to be about. Number one is we're going to talk about the prayer of agreement. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you the six types of prayers, I'm going to give you a scripture to back up where I'm getting it from, and then we'll take it from there, okay? So, number one is a prayer of agreement. And turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew, the 18th chapter, and the 19th verse. And you'll see where I'm getting this from. Matthew 18, 19. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified, and it says, Again, I say to you, that if two believers on earth agree, that is, are of one mind in harmony about anything that they ask, 
within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now we're going to have the opportunity in this series to go back and really break that down because that scripture is full of qualifiers, okay? Um, because you need to, if you're in a prayer of agreement, there needs to be two people. You cannot just agree, you know, with not somebody else. <laughs> it needs to be a believer. If it's not a believer, it's not going to work. You have to be in one mind and in harmony. If you're agreeing on one thing, but you all are really not talking to each other and you're arguing and bickering with each other, it's not going to work. So you have to be in harmony and of one mind. And most importantly, it's got to be within the will of God. If it's not, it's not going to work. So this one, actually this one verse of scripture sits here and it gives you several qualifiers in it. So we're going to break that down a little bit more in the series, but I want you to know that that scripture you can stand on when it comes to understanding what the prayer of agreement is. Number two, and it is, is everybody warm in here or is it just me? Oh, it's warm? Okay, it is warm. It is now officially noted. It is not just me having a moment. You know, I never know. I'll be honest, okay? So number two is the prayer of faith. But I need you to jot this down. It's the prayer of faith, also known as, or a.k.a., petition prayer. Now, this is key because you'd be surprised how people can get this mixed up. It's the same prayer, people. <laughs> the prayer of faith and petition prayer, it's sort of like, does anybody here have a nickname? Okay. All right, you don't have to tell me what it is. Um, I'm trying to think, do I have a nickname? Okay, my father, okay, my nickname coming up as a little girl was Sugar Plum. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> no, but my name is Sugar Plum. But on my birth certificate, it doesn't say that. It says Iva, okay? So on my birth certificate, we go by that name. But, you know, to my family, I'm Sugar Plum. So the point is, the prayer of faith is the prayer of faith. But it's also a petition prayer, okay? So that's what that is. Turn with me, however, to Mark 11. 24, because that's, this is the scripture that we stand on with this. Mark eleven twenty four, 24, out of the New King James, and you guys already know this, I'm sure, by heart, where it says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Well, the Amplified breaks it down even more, for it says, for this reason I am telling you, whatever things you ask for in prayer, in accordance with God's will, qualifier, believe with confident trust, another qualifier, that you have received them and they will be given to you. Now also, the other thing that goes with the prayer of faith obviously has to be what? Faith. So turn with me to Hebrews 11.1. 1. And you guys already know this one, I'm sure, almost by heart. 11.1 in the New King James Version says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Amplified, however, says, now faith is the assurance, title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So that's what deals with number two, the prayer of faith. Now we're moving on to number three, and this is the prayer of consecration and dedication. The prayer of consecration and dedication. 
And next to your notes, write down Luke's gospel, the 22nd chapter, verses 41 and 42. Okay, so if we look at, and this you're going to see exactly why I read the different translations. Okay, if we look at it in the New King James Version, Luke 22, starting with verse 41, it says, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if this is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Now, we get that. How many people know exactly what a stone's throw is? Okay, well, I don't see a lot of hands going up. Okay, I mean, a stone's throw for who? See, this is how I think. A stone's throw for me might be like here in maybe two feet. A stone's throw for somebody else, you know, like my husband might be from here to the elevator. I don't know. So. We need to know what does that mean. See, that's how we need to study, try to really break it down. So that's why I like the easy-to-read, because the easy-to-read version says, then Jesus went about 50 steps away from them. That is more, that explains a little bit more than a stone's throw. It's 50 steps away. He knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, please don't make me drink from this cup, but do what you want, not what I want. Then the Amplified, of course, is going to break it down really well. And it says, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, okay, and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup of divine wrath from me. Yet not my will, but always yours be done. I like that because now we know that the cup is talking about the divine wrath. Because if not, you're sitting there trying to figure out what does it mean. That's why it's good to read different translations so that you know that you know that you know what each thing is talking about. Now, if you also notice, in all of these, the, these translations that I've read, Jesus took some time to do what? Separate himself away from his disciples and away from people to pray. That gives us something to think about and reminds us that we need to do that sometimes too. You see, it is wonderful to pray with your family, with your spouses, with your loved ones, with other people in the body of Christ. All of that is good, but you need to also take some time where you get in your secret place so that when you are communicating with the Father, he can communicate also with you by his spirit to let you know some of the things that you need to put in check for yourself. You know, you may be walking through something and it seems like you're going through the same thing over and over and over again. Wouldn't you want to not keep going through that? I mean, it's sort of like if we're going to go through temptations, trials, and tests, we already know that. The word says that. But the point is, if I go through it once, I want to jump onto the advanced class, go through it once, and move on. I don't want to keep going through the same thing over and over. But if I take the time to communicate with the Father secretly, just he and I, he can share it with me in a way that, first of all, is so loving, so kind, not like some of our brethren can do, okay, where he says it in a way that you can receive it, and you can make that change and move on. So we need to do, I mean, if Jesus did it, come on, we're supposed to be a reflection of him, we're supposed to learn from him, this is our joint heir, then we need to make sure that we're doing the same thing too, amen? Okay, so now... The fourth prayer is the prayer of praise and worship. 
That's number four, the prayer of praise and worship. And in your notes, you can write down Luke's Gospel, the 18th chapter, verses 35 through 43. Now, all of us pretty much know this. This is Luke's Gospel, starting with verse 35 in chapter 18. Now, we all know this because this is when the blind man is calling out to Jesus and he's asking to receive his sight. So I am going to read it to you out of the easy-to-read version. And you can follow along with whatever translation you have. I promise you it will be perfectly fine. No, you know what? I'm not going to do that to you. I'm going to read it out of the New King James. Okay, so starting with verse 35 out of the New King James Version, it says, Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho, that a certain blind man sat by the road begging. After hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. So they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. And he cried out saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then those who went before warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he had come near, he asked him, saying, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Now, what I really like is if you look at verse 41 through 43, and the easy to read, it says, Jesus is asking the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, I want to see again. Jesus said to him, you can see now. You are healed because you believed. Okay. Notice he had to believe it. Okay, your faith, if you don't believe it, you don't really have anything. You know, faith is a word that in Christian circles, believers use it very freely. You know, faith, we have to have faith for this. But faith is directly connected to what it is that you believe in your heart. Okay? Now, also in the easy to read, verse 43 says, Then the man was able to see. He followed Jesus, thanking God. Everyone who saw this praised God. For what happened. Now, verse 42 in the Amplified says, <clears throat> Jesus said to him, Regain your sight. Your personal trust and confident faith. He qualified the kind of faith it was. Okay? Your personal trust and confident faith in me has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and began following Jesus, glorifying and praising and honoring God. And all the people, when they saw it, praised God. Really, it's a good story. When you get a chance, read those verses out of the easy to read and out of the amplified because it really breaks it down very nicely. Now we're going to move on to prayer number five, which is the prayer of intercession. This is the prayer that's exactly really uh, some of the verses of scripture I read to you in the beginning when I said to you my prayer that I have for everyone who was going to go along with this series and study this series. It's a prayer of intercession. It's one that Paul has, and it can be found in Ephesians 1, <clears throat> verses 15 through 18. Prayer of intercession is very powerful, as we're going to find out when we break it down more in this series. 
because it's a prayer where you are acting in prayer on behalf of someone else, not yourself. It's a very, very powerful thing. So if you look at Ephesians 1, 15 through 18, I read it to you before uh, out of the Amplified. So now I'm going to read it to you out of the easy to read. And it says, that is why I always remember you in my prayers and thank God for you. I have done this ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people. I always pray to be, to the great, excuse me, I always pray to the great and glorious Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that he will give you the spirit who will let you know truths about God and help you understand them so you will know him better. I pray that God will open your minds to see his truth. Then you will know the hope that he has chosen us to have. You will know that the blessings God has promised his holy people are rich and glorious. So now we're to the last type of prayer, which is the prayer of binding and loosing. And that is prayer number six. And you can write down in your notes after the prayer of binding and loosing, Matthew's gospel, the 18th chapter, verses 18 and 19. And let me know when you're there. It's Matthew's gospel, the 18th chapter, verses 18 and 19. And if we look at it in the New King James Version, which is the one I'm sure most of you are very familiar with, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, the Amplified, when you get the chance, read it out of the easy to read. But because I'm really trying to move along, I'm just going to read it to you out of the Amplified. And it says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whatever you bind... Forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth shall have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, permit, declare lawful on earth shall have already been loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two believers on earth agree, that is, are of one mind in harmony about anything that they ask within the will of God, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Again, this gives us a bunch of qualifiers. And have you noticed it's some of the same qualifiers that were in the prayer of agreement, okay? So anyway, that happens to be our sixth type of prayer, binding and loosing. Now we're gonna delve deeper into each of these areas, each type of prayer we are. And when we reach the end of the series, hopefully you are gonna be provided, or you will be provided, hopefully you'll get something out of it, a formula for prayer to get results all the time. Absolutely all the time, praise God. Okay, now we've identified the six types of prayer. And we're going to explore each one more thoroughly. We said that. We also need, oh, this is interesting. We need to know and we need to discuss why do we pray in the first place? See, I always like to ask, you know, really think about it. 
We know it's a form of communication with our Heavenly Father. We already said that. But what else makes it important, actually crucial? I mean, really, when you think about it. Now, I'm communicating with all of you right now. I mean, I'm standing here, I'm talking, you're listening. It's like a form of communication. If you communicate with each other, you're having a conversation, you're communicating. So what makes prayer different? The difference is that when combined with our faith in the word of God, it is a pathway by which God's power can be released to help us meet our needs. It allows him to get involved in the challenges or circumstances of our lives and fix things for us. That is why prayer is so crucial for us as Christians. We need God's help along our journey. Wouldn't you agree? Okay. We also need to be confident that our prayers will provide answers and that's another distinct difference in the area of communication. The word of God clearly gives us his promises to stand on. And we can be confident. We don't have to have any kind of doubt. We can be totally confident and expect that he will answer our request as long as it lines up with the word. Now, this is paramount. And here's why. You can communicate with somebody. It could be a friend, a family member, a spouse. And you can ask them for something that you may need. And they may sincerely try to help you. I mean, genuinely, sincerely try to help you. But sometimes they may start out that way, and something can come up. Something can happen, and it doesn't just flow like it's supposed to. I'll give you an example. Suppose you ask a friend of yours who you happen to know they're getting ready to go downtown. You know they're going downtown. You know that. Where the route that they're taking, they're going to pass right by the FedEx office. You know that, okay? And you're in a situation where you have a time-sensitive issue that needs to get to FedEx right away. And they can actually get there faster than you because, you know, in this particular scenario, you're not really ready to go. You know, like they came by in the morning to have coffee with you and you're not really 100% dressed. They are, they're going and you needed to get there. So you're like, okay, could you please take this and just drop it off at FedEx for me? You have it all filled out. It's addressed with your child's name on it. Your child happens to be a student at Stanford University all the way across in California, okay? And you explain to your friend, and this is a friend you know for 35 years, okay? So you really trust them. You know, it's nothing shaky here. So you're telling them this is important. You need to get this, you know, and, and you're going to take it. they got to get it. It's marked priority, you know, for them to get it before 10 o'clock in the morning. They're like, okay, got you. Not a problem. I'll do it. No problem. Promise you. Going to get it done. They go. You rest because now they've got it. You think all is well. Everything is fine. Okay. Now what happens? They mean to do so, but then they get a phone call, and that phone call has some information in it that totally sidetracks them. They forget all about you, your package, FedEx, and everything else, okay? So they call you about 10 o'clock at night, that same night. Now FedEx is closed, okay? And if there is an overnight one, it's not gonna help you because it's not gonna get on the plane to be able to get it to California in time. Now what your friend didn't know was in that envelope was your child's passport. 
and that passport was needed for a special trip that they were blessed with that was leaving the very next day, which is why it needed to be there before 10 o'clock. Okay, now this trip was something that your child was believing God for, and they were awarded at the last minute because God worked things out, okay, for the child to go. But because your friend, who did mean well, okay, didn't get there, the student was not able to go on the trip. Now what happened? Satan, our adversary, had that phone call come in, created that distraction. He did his job. Unfortunately, the student missed their trip. Now, here is what the big difference is. Turn with me to Numbers 23, and we're going to look at verse 19. See, we want to know, well, what is the big difference in when we pray and when we ask God for something? I mean, you know, we pray and not pray, but we talk to our friends and we ask them for things. What is the difference? Well, Numbers 23, 19 shows us the difference. Are you there? Okay. It says, and I'm going to read it to you out of the easy to read because I'm running out of time. The easy to read says, God is not a man. He will not lie. God is not a human being. His decisions will not change. If he says he will do something, then he will do it. If he makes a promise, then he will do what he promised. Now, you can also turn with me to Hebrews, the sixth chapter, and we're going to look at verse 18. Hebrews 6, verse 18. And I'm going to read that to you out of the easy to read. And it says, these two things cannot change. God cannot lie when he says something, and he cannot lie when he makes an oath. For these two things are a great help to us who have come to God for safety. They encourage us to hold on to the hope that is ours. That was Hebrews 6, verse 18. So as you can see just from reading those two verses of scripture, when we communicate with our Heavenly Father, we're afforded and can expect that the need, whatever it is, will be met. Of course, as long as it's in line with his word. In other words, if we had asked God to get that FedEx package, if he had to send Gabriel or another angel to get it done, it would have been done. That's the difference. Yes, we can communicate with one another or communicate with human beings, and they may mean well, but the enemy is going to constantly try to do something to keep it from happening. But when we go ahead, and especially when we pray in our heavenly language, because the enemy cannot even interfere with that, because he does not even know what you're saying, which is why that is such a nuclear weapon. But anyway, that is the big difference, and that is why prayer is so important. Um, let's look at Matthew's Gospel, the sixth chapter, and the eighth verse. Because the other thing is, in the difference in that scenario, God would have already known what the enemy was going to try to do, okay? Because obviously, <laughs> he's God and he knows everything. So if we look at Matthew, the sixth chapter, and the eighth verse, it says, Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Now, I like it in the easy to read. You know I like it in the amplified. I'm going to read it to you really quick out of the message. And the message, starting with the seventh verse, because it backs it up a little bit, says, The world 
is so full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. <laughs> They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you were dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. So as you can see, there's a huge distinction in communicating with others and communicating with our Heavenly Father. When you ask a friend or a family member or spouse to do something or meet a particular need, they are limited to what is available to them at the time. With God, there are no limitations as long as your request lines up with his word. In other words, you're not we're not gambling with our prayers. We're not hoping and we're not wishing. Instead, every time, or a better way of saying it is all of the time. What's left out of all? Nothing. All of the time. When we go to God in prayer, we get an answer when we pray correctly. So I say it that way because most Christians think that they can say anything in any manner at any time, slap Jesus' name on the end of it, and then call it a prayer. <laughs> now, <laughs> and that's just not true. <laughs> so, however, we're going to learn how to do it the right way. That's why all of you are here. Uh, there is sometimes a lack of understanding. And, you know, and people, bless their hearts, they don't mean any harm. They just don't know. So I submit to you that many Christians sometimes, even when they're praying, they copy other people, for lack of a better term, okay? They start listening to how other people pray, and they think the other people sound good, so then they just go ahead and repeat what they hear the other person say, and they think that they're cool. I mean, you know, because I heard so-and-so say it, so I'm just going to say this. And they start to develop almost like a sense of style. You know, like you can go into any store, I don't care who it is, and they have the little cute mannequins standing up there. You know, they dress the mannequins, and that's to promote you to want to go buy that outfit now. Unfortunately, sometimes what's on the mannequin may not look so good on us. But, okay, we're going to still go try it on. We pull it and think, oh, let's try this, let's try that. Well, sometimes Christians do that with prayer, okay? Because it's like, oh, that sounded so good. So let me just start doing that. And that is not going to work, okay? Um, the thing is, <laughs> it's not using... The reason it's not going to work is because it's not using any kind of word. It's using expressions or excerpts or like sound bites, you know, things that just sound good. Things I'm sure many of you may have heard, uh, like, I woke up this morning and I started on my way. If any of you ever went to traditional church, you may have heard that, okay? And I'm just going to hold on to God's unchanging hand. And I am going to quit because <laughs> I am out of time. Oh, man. <laughs> Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.